I <clears throat> equate sort of being in the closet as a trans person to kind of being in jail. There's a lot of sort of like a suffocating feeling, like you feel like you're trapped. And I think that I just like was the happiest I'd ever really been post coming out to everyone. It was just such a relief. I felt that's like weight come off my shoulders. And um, when you're carrying around like this big terrifying secret, there's nothing that feels better than just like coming out. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 14 of the Learn With Laws podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Andrea Felstead, whom I went to high school with back in the day. Andrea is a trans woman who came out as transgender in her early 20s, so a few years after I went to school with her. In our conversation, she talked all about her experience as a trans person, so when and how she realized she was a woman, what coming out was like for her, what transitioning has been like, finding her style as a woman, and what dating has been like, to name a few things. We also talked about what it means to pass and the privileges that passing transgender people experience. I really learned a lot in this conversation. I went into it wanting to ask all of the questions that would help me and that would help listeners to learn, but I was worried that I might accidentally say something stupid or come across as ignorant or something like that. But Andrea was super awesome and open and never made me feel bad if I ever happened to say the wrong thing. So yeah, this episode is a really good one, and it was very educational for me, and I hope that you find it as valuable as I did. Hey, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Good. How's your day going so far? Uh, not too bad. Just got off work like a little while ago, so. Yeah, nice. How about you? Good, thanks. So thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Oh, no problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you mind just like introducing yourself and um, maybe telling me like your name and, and what you do for a living? Absolutely. So hi, my name is Andrea Falstead. I am 27 and currently I work for an investigator group um, as a research assistant. Cool. Very nice. Um, yeah. And so we went to high school together. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yes, but when I knew you, you went by Andrew rather than Andrea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you've just been, like, super vocal on social media about your experience as a trans woman, um, which I feel like is amazing, not only helpful for other trans people, but just kind of for everyone in general, just to help people to become more understanding. Um, so thank you for that, and thank you again for being on my podcast to share your story today. Oh, thanks. You know, I... um. I find sometimes that not enough people are really vocal about it. Uh, I don't necessarily think it just helps me. I think it's good just to educate in general. I found that a lot of times people who are ignorant or like just have a lot of misinformation uh, really only need to be led and, and given an opportunity to ask questions, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so why don't we um, kind of start from the beginning, if that's okay uh, with you? Um, absolutely. And then also feel free to, like, stop me at any point if I'm, like, not using the right language or anything like that. Like, um, yeah, I feel like I'm here to learn as much as, like, anyone who would be listening to this. Okay, great. Yeah, so um, did you always know that you were a woman? Um, no, uh, I think for a lot of the time, like, keep in mind, I grew up in the 90s and, like, early 2000s. We didn't really have as strong of um, representation in TV. And we also didn't really have that understanding about the complexity of gender. So for me, I didn't really know, okay, I am a woman inside or anything like that. Like the way that it's being sort of referred to now on on TV and media, I just kind of knew that something was weird. I felt um, almost alien, if that makes sense. Like I would look in the mirror and things didn't quite line up. And in social circles, I never really identified with a lot of the people around me. Like, um, I think from young ages, like young boys are taught like, hey, you hang out with groups of boys. Um, And I would always want to hang out with girls. So um, it was just very strange for me. And then as I kind of got older, I do remember telling a lot of my friends, like, I'm not a guy. I feel like a woman, but I still couldn't quite understand that. Um, we really only had a couple of representations that you could say were trans positive. A lot of them were pretty um, 
stereotypical and just very um, I don't, sort of media spectacles, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I no, I didn't necessarily know uh, from a young age that I wanted to transition or really what being transgender even was. I think at the time the term transsexual was definitely more popular. Um, but also I remember being really young and being afraid of that because of how it was being portrayed in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't until I kind of got older and was exposed to sort of more, uh, positive representations of trans people that, that really started to change for me. Mm-hmm. True. So kind of what age was it that you kind of like where things started to click and you started to realize? Um, back in high school, actually, um, I was a very like depressed and miserable teenager. I think like a lot of people were, but I didn't really understand why. I knew that there was that sort of, um, it wasn't matching up for me. I didn't feel masculine, but I didn't really feel gay. I knew I liked men, but I didn't really care about my appearance or like my social social circle. Not that I didn't care about my friends, but about sort of like my, um, the way I sort of, moved through that social space. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, that high school was sort of the first inkling of it, but it, I didn't really fully understand it and have my sort of like, aha, I have to transition moment until I think I was about 22. Mm. So tell me about that, that kind of aha moment. What was that like? So I had just finished working at Disney World and previous to that, like before that summer, I had grown out my hair I'd started kind of experimenting with makeup. And I think at the time I was just like, oh, I'm just really feminine. Like I'm a guy, but I'm feminine. And that didn't really feel right. But at least I had like long hair, which has always been really important to me. Like hair has always been something I've really, I'm attached to. But because of working at Disney World, you had to like shave your head. So Uh I had to go almost completely bald. Like there's only, you can only have a certain amount of hair on your head, which is kind of crazy for working at Disney World. But, um, and that was really weirdly, I didn't quite understand why I was so attached to it if that makes sense like I just shaved it and was like oh I kind of regret that so Mm -hmm. Disney had just ended and I was staying with family in Detroit at the time and um this is a really weird memory to have but it's very specific I was watching um do you know Becky G like the singer yep (laughs) okay so I was watching her music video for I think it's called shower and she's like just dancing around she's wearing like a cute outfit she's wearing her hair is looking really good. And I just remember watching that and thinking, I really want to be that. Like, not I don't want to, like, watch this. Like, I want to be that person. And then I took a really long walk, and I was like, kind of, like, analyzing myself. And I was like, why is that going on? What's, what is that um, sort of the emotion behind that? And I reached a point where I was like, you know, if I could have one wish in the world, it would be that I was reborn and just, like, as a woman. And that was when I kind of stopped walking and just kind of stared up, and I was like, if I'm thinking about this so often, like, I know what I have to do. I'm trans and I have to transition. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. It was a very like specific moment for me. Like I remember it clear as day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is very specific. Becky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but I mean, I'm not even really a fan of hers, but to be quite honest, I will always know her that. Mm-hmm. So then after that, did you like, uh, do much research about about um, what it is to be transgender or, or what did you do after after um, kind of having that moment? It's a little hazy. I don't remember specifically like what I would have researched. I think I did do some basic research, um, but it wasn't so much like I, I have to read about what this is. Um, I already had some passing knowledge just from sort of cultural osmosis or whatever. You know, you watch TV, you kind of know what this is. Um, I kind of just did it the way that I wanted to do it. I trusted sort of myself and and went about my own kind of journey because I was already kind of, I kind of forgot to mention this earlier, but I think up until maybe a few years ago, um, being sort of a certain age and transitioning isn't really as uh, culturally accepted. Like I think there's that, um, there's like this image that we used to have like through the 90s and early 2000s. And I remember, and I think a lot of people would remember when you'd see like TV specials and it was always like these children and they would be like six and they were like, well, I'm a little girl and I was born a little girl. And I think that that was sort of more culturally acceptable to a lot of people because it's very cut and dry, very black and white. And Mm -hmm. um, 
so for me, I think a lot of my sort of post aha moment journey was just kind of deconstructing that belief and um, kind of realizing that the way that I was transitioning and the way that I felt and the struggle that I'd had was valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that might be just why I'm really vocal about on, on social media about my experiences and um, trying to help others who are questioning is because that was a big thing for me post realizing I was trans it was just like what's going on like how am I going to do this um is this okay is this okay so it was definitely a very long process of mainly just self-research rather than like external research mm-hmm. yeah that's cool yeah I feel like the world that we grew up in like all their shows and and like everything that we consume it's very much just like like born a boy and live a boy and and same as as being a girl and also like a very straight world that we've grown up with it especially like back in the 90s but um I feel like things are starting to to change I well I think that um we as a culture especially in Canada I know this isn't the case everywhere of course but specifically in Canada we've done a lot of work in challenging the um binary gender systems that we have like all of the assumptions about this is what a girl does, this is what a boy does. Um, and we're actually, you know, while I still think that there's a lot of um, social uh, stigma towards uh, being um, anything beyond either boy or girl, I think we're finally starting to question that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, not, we're nowhere near where we need to be, to be quite honest, but we're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely still more work and more education, but... Um, but- mm-hmm at least people have started um, opening their minds a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, And honestly, I think I was thinking about this the other day. It's totally okay for people to not know anything. It's totally okay to question things. Like no one's going to think you're an idiot for just asking what you think are really obvious questions. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to do that, right? Like the only way that we're going to move forward as a society is really just question what we thought we knew um, and realistically, that kind of starts with you. That kind of starts with each individual person questioning the values that they have and whether they're important. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Um, so after you uh, had this realization, you know, after watching your watching Becky G and <laughs> going for your walk, um, yeah, who was the first person that you told. Um, it was actually uh, a couple of friends who also went to uh, our high school. Um, I just had them in the backyard one day and I turned to them and I was like, Hey, like, I remember there being a really big buildup. I remember calling them over and being like, I have something really important to tell you. And it's like life changing. And I made it really dramatic. Cause if anyone who knows me personally, um, knows like I'm the most dramatic person. <laughs> so I, ca- I called them over, I sat them down and I remember just standing there and being like, I'm a woman. And, um, do you remember Francesca from high school? Um, sounds familiar. Okay. Well, (laughs) I'll never forget her because her reaction was priceless. She went, yeah, we know. Oh, oh, that's nice. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I mean, immediate support, but also I just find, I still find that really funny. Yeah. Um, The people closest to me are, we're, we're very much like, yeah, we're not really surprised. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. But what was that? Like, how did that feel when they reacted like that? Um, I mean, pretty good. I, I feel like it, I was going to get support from them regardless, and they certainly were not the people that I was most worried about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also told them, like, uh, pretty soon after, I think that same summer, like, towards the end of that summer. So mm-hmm. it was pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Um, who were you most scared to tell? Um, my parents, actually, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of, now looking back on it, it's kind of ridiculous, but um, growing up, both of my parents uh, were very great. They were very supportive, but um, they both had some uh, sort of preconceived ideas about what being a trans person was and um, what was appropriate for what gender. So I remember just being very nervous. Um, and I remember when I came out to my mom as, as gay, like way, way back in the day, I want to say in like grade nine, she was very emotional because I, I mean, I can totally understand that you find out your kid is part of my minority group and they're going to have to deal with a lot of like shit from the, you know, people coming at you, people potentially making fun of you, a higher rate of, of suicide and whatever else. It's definitely very life changing. So, um, I was not surprised, but 
in my mind, it was a much bigger deal that I was trans than that I was just like gay. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was very, very nervous. Mm -hmm. How did you tell them? Oh, this is fun. And this is not a way I encourage people to ever tell anyone anything life-changing. Um, I wrote both of them an email. (laughs) Okay. And I, it was a very sappy email. I remember, I actually kind of remember a lot more of the specifics and I kind of thought I did now that I'm mentioning them. But I remember sitting in the room, it was completely dark. I was just like typing out this email. And I think I used a metaphor about like a cake because I was an English literature major. So I was like, you know, even if the cake is, 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 has a different like layer on it, it's still the same cake underneath and blah, blah, blah. And, um, her response was just, yeah. Um, I mean, I, what do you want to do about it? Kind of like, she was very accepting. She didn't fight me on it, which was really great. Mm -hmm. Good. I'm glad to hear that. That's nice. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a good analogy. (laughs) Um, I would say so for sure. Uh, I love the idea of like simplifying really complicated uh, subjects into like a really easy metaphor. So it works really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was it like when you came out to your parents um, in high school when you told them that you liked guys? Um, That one was a lot more complicated. I had a YouTube channel for like a while and that was sort of like my online diary. And this was kind of back in the days when Um, I didn't really understand the idea of sort of like privacy online and then also like just not quite uh, understanding that maybe there's some things that a 14 or 15 year old shouldn't be posting online. So I had this YouTube channel. I was talking about how I liked guys, how I was like really kind of effeminate. I didn't fit in all this like really kind of cringy stuff now. And I'm really glad it's not online anymore. (laughs) Um, But I remember I was really close with this one cousin. So I sent her the link to like my YouTube videos at the time and I was like let me know what you think of my like really edgy like YouTube diary and she watched it she sent it to my mom being like hey like do you know that your your child's like posting this stuff online and um next thing I know she's like crying she's like really angry like how dare you like post this stuff online um in hindsight I think this was around the time that the internet while being around for obviously a while there was a really, really big panic about, you know, people, especially like kids posting too much online. Um, so despite the fact that I'd never really posted anything about like my, where I lived or where I went to school or anything like that, um, there was still a lot of, a lot of anger there from her. But beyond that, she was like very accepting. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. <laughs> yeah. But it was weird. I never really got to sit her down and be like, I like guys. She just kind of like saw it in YouTube. It was very, it was yeah. a very strange situation for sure. Yeah, that definitely is like mm. interesting. Um, and I feel like going to Holy Trinity, like going to a Catholic school and like going through all that must've been super difficult. Um, it can be for sure. Um, I find that our, like Holy Trinity was relatively pretty liberal as far as like students mm-hmm. went I think because we were in such a small town environment we were getting people from all over um a lot of the people that I surrounded myself with were pretty liberal and pretty creative people so I had no problem like being around them um but there were definitely some less than positive uh influences I know that there was a lot of teachers like no names going to be given but they were not very progressive um they refused to allow like depictions of anything LGBT to be in anything creative. It was just like not the most welcoming environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember we tried to start like me and some friends gathered and we tried to start um, a gay straight alliance. Um, and they were just like, well, no, we can't do that. And we were like, we were going to fight or die, but it just kind of didn't happen. And I'm oh, I not really sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. This was like, I don't remember what year I was in. I want to say maybe grade 10 or 11. It was literally me, the only person in my friend group who was LGBTQ+, and then, like, a bunch of my friends who were supporting me, which is really nice, but, hmm. um, it, I mean, I'm not shocked looking back on it. It's a Catholic school, and, I, you know, that kind of goes against the core values of what a lot of the people there believe in, but um, I'm glad to have had the support that I had. I was very surprised, and I've been very lucky in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, you've picked good friends who've been there for you. Mm-hmm. that's good um so how did it feel after you told everybody and everyone knew that you were trans um it was pretty relieving um the I again like I said I love metaphors and allegories and things like that I <clears throat> equate sort of being in the closet as a trans person to kind of being in jail there's a lot of sort of like a suffocating feeling like you feel like you're trapped 
And I think that I just like was the happiest I'd ever really been post coming out to everyone. It was just such a relief. I felt that's like weight come off my shoulders. And um, when you're carrying around like this big terrifying secret, there's nothing that feels better than just like coming out. Um, in hindsight, I would not have waited nearly as long. And I, it was like ridiculous how much I had built up um, these like fears in my head. So um, definitely a really relieving feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, how long did you wait before you told people? Um, well, I, so I realized that summer um, and a couple of friends, maybe a month after that, um, parents, I told my mom maybe six months after that. It was definitely like winter. And then my dad, maybe another six months later. Mm-hmm. True. What was that like having to um, kind of keep that secret from your parents for all that time? Um, you know, it surprisingly wasn't very hard. I just kind of suffered in silence. Um, it, I, you know, I, I would always sort of wait until my mom would leave and then I would like be trying on her clothes and it felt very like wrong, very, um, I don't know. It felt very like, like a French art movie or something like waiting for the car to drive away and just like, you know, putting on a dress or whatever. Um, and in my, my mind, like I'm just really cringing because a, that was not my style and, and B, just, I can't believe being so like, this is so scandalous. Um, but a lot of it, you just kind of do in secret, you know, um, I was kind of honing my makeup skills then and I would wait until there was not a single person awake at 3am and I'd be like, you know, beating my face, just doing it like crazy makeup and then fearfully running to the bathroom to wa- wash it off immediately because God forbid anyone see me with powder and pigment on my face. But um, you just kind of like learn to, to do things quietly, you know, and I was still terrified always like mentioning anything remotely feminine to people, um, even like friends. I was just very nervous to do that. So um, it, it really wasn't that hard to hide. It just like on an emotional level, it takes a toll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And especially if you're having to like stay up uh, late at night to like truly be yourself, like that's that's tough. <laughs> yeah, and it's very like uh it's very cliché in a way. Um <laughs> I yeah, looking back on that, I'm I still have that weird habit. I think I just had it built up um from years and years of like waiting till there was no one awake. It's like 3 a.m. and I'm doing makeup and I still find myself as a habit, if I'm bored and it's super late, sometimes I'm just like, oh, time to do makeup. So I'll just like practice whatever. <laughs> um, even though like I have a, a degree in makeup artistry, but I like, oh, cool. I, for whatever, yeah, it was, um, it was definitely an interesting uh, experience there too. And, but, and, and I'm not really surprised knowing what my pastimes were um, in the closet, but I still have those impulses where I get like that sudden burst of energy. And I think it's just like learned at this point. Yeah, true. Um, so what was it like, like you talked about learning how to do makeup, but also like adjusting to women's clothes and kind of like finding your style as a woman. What was that like? Um, so I'm hoping that no one, well, first of all, I'm really hoping that everyone who is trans, whoever listens to this can, can relate to this because I think it's a universal experience. There's what I like to call the, um, grandma's clothes slash I got this at the thrift store style that everyone kind of starts when they're figuring out their style where they'll just buy whatever because it fits them and it looks somewhat flattering. Um, and I still have a couple of those pieces just lying around in storage somewhere and they are hideous. Like they're (laughs) not attractive in the slightest, but I think a lot of people and especially trans people who I know who are just now kind of figuring out what style works for them. There's that impulse where you're just like, Oh, this fits. I'll just get this. And, um, you just feel really kind of good, but also look like you always look back and you always cringe at that. But Mm-hmm. beyond that um I think there's a sort of sense of shame when you're like starting out figuring out your style like just kind of the physical transition from sort of whatever your birth gender is to your chosen one is always really stressful and very shameful because like I said we have very rigid ideas about what society values in men and women and there's literally very little more terrifying than stepping out onto the streets when you don't feel you're passing and um you know you've got your nails painted or you've sort of done makeup and you're there's you have these sort of images in your head or at least i did and i know a lot of other people who experienced this did as well where 
you have this exaggerated idea of um, sort of a man in a dress and it's very uncomfortable, it's very shameful, and you just feel like this sort of social pariah and it's this really uncomfortable experience. So kind of part of that transition is really understanding that that's not what everyone's seeing, that that's just your sort of internal dysphoria and sort of deconstructing it and replacing it with something more positive or at least just getting more comfortable with a style that you like. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, for me, involved a lot of late night makeup sessions where I stopped, like learned how to do makeup well. Cause I was like, at least if people are going to look at me and think I'm crazy, at least I better like have a really nice eyeliner, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it is just learning that you're not nearly as ridiculous as you feel like you are inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So has that um, kind of fear been put away, like worrying what people will think about you as you're kind of walking on the streets? Like, has that been dissipating a little bit? Um, It's gone for me. I've been like living as my gender that I've chosen for uh, four years, five years. So it's gone away completely. For me, it was only sort of into the beginning of my transition. So I want to say like maybe the first year when my hair was growing out, when I didn't know what I was doing makeup or like clothing wise, um, and sort of building up a a wardrobe of clothes I actually wanted to wear. Um, That was when that was definitely playing up the worst. Um, But I definitely reached a point where I'm lucky I pass. um, And that's like definitely more just circumstance, like passing is not something you should ever aspire to. But um, I was very lucky and I recognized that um, I don't have to worry about people sort of, we say like clocking or noticing that you are trans immediately upon looking at you. And a lot of people don't have that luxury. So for me, I count myself very lucky. Mm-hmm. Can you explain mm-hmm. the term passing just for, for people who mm-hmm. may be listening and not sure what that means? <clears throat> Absolutely. So the general idea behind passing is that you look, act, and present in general, like in all aspects, as whatever your chosen gender is. So there's a lot of pressure in the uh, LGBTQ community, but more specifically like within trans circles itself, to really present as your gender. And I have a lot of theories as to why that is, um, beyond sort of us not really accepting um, sort of gender fluidity in the way that we really should. Uh, I think a lot of it kind of comes from that pressure that we put on ourselves. It's partially that that internal transphobia or like dysphoria um, that we feel ridiculous, sort of that image that I was saying earlier about like a man in a dress. Um, And so like you get that pressure, you feel like you have to pass, you have to look a certain way or you do look ridiculous, which is not true in the slightest. But it has become this goal that we are currently I, I say we, but it, there's varying degrees, of course. But the the current sort of uh, discussion around passing is that, A, it's a privilege that not all people are privy to because really at the end of the day, looking feminine is not a, a specific thing. It's a very static thing that's like all over the place. It has to do with like cheekbones. It has to do with your height, the way your hair looks, sort of your facial features. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, that really is outside of a lot of people's control. So there's so many people who really don't have that luxury. Um, and it's unfortunate that they get looked down on or they're targeted more. Um, so we're kind of trying to not let it be a goal and recognize it that it's sort of just a random privilege that some people have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for explaining that. Um, <laughs> no problem. So. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this, but like what has um, transitioning in, involved for you? Like, has it included like taking hormones? Is that something that um, like some people choose to, to pursue or, or um, how does that come? Um, yeah, um, for me personally, it's mainly just hormones um, and just kind of living as my chosen gender. Um, I, again, I haven't really had any sort of surgeries or anything like that. Um, I'm kind of in the process very, very slowly of just kind of considering what, if any, I want. Um, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm, I've sort of validated my own existence. I don't feel like I have to do anything to pass. 
Um, and I've able, I've been able to kind of relieve a lot of my dysphoria that I used to feel. So I don't really feel like I have to do that much beyond that. Um, to kind of go into your question in a more general sense, it really depends. Um, there are those again within our own community and sometimes outside that we kind of call, um, the idea, like there's, there's a slang term, which is kind of true scum, which is this idea that if you're trans, the only version of trans that is valid is you have to have the surgery. You have, and by the surgery, I mean sexual reassignment surgery. You have to have breast implants. You have to go through hormones for this amount of time. It's kind of linked to the idea of passing. So it's really shitty because it invalidates a lot of trans people who don't fall into that very specific category mm -hmm. and who don't have a means to um, either, you know, financially pay for those things or, you know, just pass in general. Um, so transitioning is I think really personal to, to each individual because where you stop and how far you go is really up to you. Um, I know some trans people who have gone all the way and I know some trans people who aren't even on hormones and don't want to be because they are comfortable just identifying as female and, um, sort of changing up the way that they look and the way that they dress and they don't feel the need to sort of biologically, or I guess like more chemically change anything about them. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like, um, yeah, the world definitely thinks, like, if you're trans, that means you've gone, like, the whole full way. But also, it's like, that sucks if you can't afford to, to do all these things. Like, um, Yeah, and there's a real privilege to transitioning, yeah. you know? Like, a lot of people do not have the financial means, um, and that's, like, a huge problem. We have that sort of narrative pushed about, yeah. you're trans, so you do these things. I mean... Um, I'm not going to disparage Caitlyn Jenner. I think she's in a lot for visibility, but she's also helped to perpetuate that. And if you look at a lot of the people that we have um, given a platform, not all of them, of course, but a lot of them, um, not only are passable trans people, because you'll very rarely see anyone who isn't passable in the media, um, but also uh, people who push this idea about, well, I'm trans, so I did these things, and if I can do it, so can you but neglecting the very clear fact that they have access to resources that a lot of people don't. So really the work there is changing the, the perception, but also changing who gets the platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Mm. Um, yeah, so now if it's cool with you, I would like to switch to, you mentioned before that um, you're in a relationship now. I am, yes. Yeah, um, how long have you been with your partner for? Um, my current partner, we've been together for just shy of like two years. Mm -hmm. Cool. Very nice. How uh, did you guys meet? We actually just met on Tinder. Um, uh -huh. I, there was a point in time where I was like, I'm never going to get Tinder. And like the guys on Tinder are gross. And like mm -hmm. maybe 80% of them kind of are. Um, but I lucked out very much so with, with my current partner. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. I feel like everyone says that. I feel like I said that too. I was like, I'm never going to get a dating app, but... Like, mm -hmm. everyone is on them now so it's well and also like from my perspective um and just from my situation it's kind of rare that a trans person is in a safe situation where they're meeting someone on the street mm -hmm. um if I've met someone in a bar who's attracted to me and like hitting on me I then have to be like well do they know that I'm trans if I tell them I'm trans are they gonna fucking stab me like all those thoughts gotta go in your head so at least like for me I always found that um tinder was a great place along with other dating apps because I could say in my profile like here's a situation and a lot of people don't do that like a lot of trans people just wait and that's totally fine but I thought hey if they're not willing to talk to me just because of this like I don't want to talk to them you know so yeah. definitely valuable for me mm -hmm. yeah true yeah you can kind of lay things out right from the get-go in, mm -hmm. in Nice. Exactly. So have people been kind and accepting of, of you and your partner when you've been out in public? Yeah, actually. Um, again, as I said, like, I'm lucky we, on the street, we look sort of like hetero passing couple. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, on some level, that's actually very anxiety inducing, not because um, we look like, you know, oh, just any old straight couple, but because then I have to kind of think ahead where I'm like, okay, well, what if these people know? Are they going to accept it? Are they going to look down on me? Or are they going to look down on my partner? Because um, it's less acceptable for a straight man to be dating like a trans person and to be fully comfortable with that. Or like, um, 
you know, and, and again, we've been very lucky. Um, he's a very liberal person and his friend circle are all really great, wonderful people. Um, I've given him the freedom where, uh, not everyone chooses this, but I said, if you want to tell people you have every right to, you're with me and I, you know, I give you permission. And he has exercised that right a couple of times. Um, and luckily everyone who knows us, uh, that has kind of heard that from him are very accepting. Um, and I know for a lot of people, that's not the case. So I, I feel like that's, that's a lot of what I'm saying here is that I've been very blessed in a way that I know a lot of people haven't been. Um, but I'm, I'm just very happy that I can be in a relationship and not have to worry as much about certain aspects than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So you're saying like he um, hasn't told everybody that you're transgender, like he's, you've kind of told him like you can just tell whoever yeah I mean the idea behind it is um it's interesting because I tell him like you can tell whoever you want I trust that you um have sort of the right mind to like tell people who matter to you but he also has the right mind well he has the uh, the approach rather of being like you know it's your thing to say like he doesn't care if anyone knows because he doesn't care what people think about him um he's pretty educated in terms of like um sort of based on what I've told him, but also just like his own prior knowledge of like what it means to be trans. And so like, he's very open-minded there, but also he doesn't really care if people know he's with a trans person because he's very secure in his sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by his, like, what he says is that um, what he's attracted to are, are feminine people, like regardless of what's going on, that's what attracts, what's attracted to him. So um, he's, you know, he's straight because he likes women, regardless of if they're trans or cis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he, yeah. So I've given him like permission, like you can tell whoever you want. I'm also very secure now in my life currently. Like I'm like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sorry, what was his name? Oh, his name's Justin. Justin. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel like people have a lot of um, confusion between gender and and sexuality like um in in you saying like oh he's he's straight um I feel like I don't know some people may like be unclear or or have some like questions as far as like sexuality and and gender Um, yeah and the truth though the truth of the matter is it's like really complicated um Mm -hmm. I I wish that there was like a I could sit someone down and in five minutes explain the relationship between the two but it's really kind of deeply personal and changes between people, right? So um, I've been with, with men who are straight and I've been in like hetero casting relationships. I've been with men who are bisexual and I've uh, been with men who feel very threatened being with me because it like threatens their sexuality. Um, I mean, I'm not with that kind of person anymore. I'd never want that for myself again, but um, it's it's a really complicated thing and it, it's, you know, the politics of what being trans are and the politics of gender and sexuality and their intersection um, really, really kind of encroach on relationships in a lot of ways that people don't necessarily think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so when you came out as a trans person, how did that impact your sexuality or, or did it impact your sexuality? Maybe on some level. Like, I think, again, I've always liked men um I think excuse me I think like my sort of my relationship towards my romantic life definitely got better I just felt more comfortable Mm -hmm. um and I mean I'd always kind of wanted a like a hetero relationship if that makes any sense in the sense that I I felt like a woman and I wanted a man and I wanted that sort of you know you watch rom-coms and you're like oh I want that I want a guy who's (laughs) gonna like throw a thousand flowers at me and sing that you know, a song from the bleachers, like, you know, um, and that was very much what I daydreamed about. That's what I wanted. Um, and I, when I was a man identifying as a man in a, in like gay relationships or gay dating, just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and I really did not do very well at it. Cause I felt, I felt too feminine to be gay, but I also felt too masculine to really approach like a straight relationship, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. Well, I hope that Justin is doing all those rom-com things that you you wanted him to be doing. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. He does. Um, 
but like I find now the things that are actually the most romantic are like the the littlest like stupidest things um I remember we were out having a drink once and he's he's laughing he's chilling with me but he's laughing because he knows exactly (laughs) what I'm talking about um he I he was like what do you want to drink and I was like I don't know and he goes okay I'll just do what I always do I'm going to order you this. If you don't like it, I've ordered this other thing that I know you like. And I was like, wait a minute. Do you always order something you know I'll like in case I don't like mine? And he's like, yeah. And I just like, I started crying. I was very (laughs) emotional that day. Um, But to me, like, that's like the most romantic thing is just like when when someone that loves you is like willing to to do those little things. And he's like, it's not a big deal. I'm like, it is. So That's cute. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's like my favorite story. Yeah, it's, it's so cute. That's really cute. Way to go, Justin, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> she says um, way to go. <laughs> he just smiled and nodded, so. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> so you guys are quarantining together? Um, mostly. Um, <clears throat> we see each other maybe once a week right now. We're, we're trying not to, to be around each other too much, um, obviously, with everything. Um, we're both essential workers, and we both live like on our own we don't live together so I we're just kind of like minimizing our contact but neither of us really see or talk to anyone else so we're doing all we can but wow minimizing contact is really as much as possible yeah true yeah it's tough and weird times right now we really are um I've gotten very used to it but I've always been kind of a homebody so I'm totally fine with like not going anywhere really doing anything Mm-hmm. Um, but like, even I'm starting to get a little stir crazy. Like all I want to do is go see a movie in a theater, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for the world to start going back to normal. <laughs> well, here's hoping it won't be too much longer. Yeah. I really hope so. <clears throat> um, yeah. So, okay. So kind of back to where we were talking about before, um, are there any kind of common questions or areas of ignorance that, um, that non-trans people ask you or things that you want non-trans people to know? Um, in terms of like questions that non-trans people ask, I think it's just like, sometimes I'll get questions like, <clears throat> I find you or other trans person attractive. Does that make me gay? And you know, if you're, if you're someone who's cis and you're listening to that and you're questioning that yourself, no. Um, if you like, well, I guess hypothetically you could be, but generally speaking, no. If you like someone that's trans and they happen to be a woman, like they're a trans woman, then you are most likely attracted to women regardless of like if they're cis or trans. Um, That's a big one that I think, again, people are just not quite grasping all the time. They just don't really know that you can be attracted to someone who is trans and still be straight. Um, Beyond that, I get a lot of questions from people just asking just very basic stuff like, oh, how do I know if I'm trans? Um, And again, with that one it's really hard to answer. I would say, you know, you kind of have to just, there's no one way that you check to see if you're trans. It's not like you do like an online test or anything like that. You kind of just have to figure that one out on your own. Um, but generally speaking, I'm like, well, are you comfortable with your gender? Are you comfortable wearing men's clothes or women's clothes, depending on what their like background gender is? Do you ever kind of question whether you identify as that like those are kind of the big three but beyond that it's very personal Mm -hmm. and then like kind of beyond that any questions I get are either very personal so I'm not going to share what they are or Mm -hmm. just very general um and then in terms of like what I want straight people or cis people to know is just like we're we're people um we're not predators that's like a big thing right now um I just want to be able to use bathrooms that I want to use and I just want to be able to identify as as what I want to identify as um (laughs) and not have to feel politicized all the time like I think there's I get very stressed out when I go online and I see people talking about trans people in this very political way just for existing it's very toxic and very strange um kind of a segue but this is a weird like recent development um, a couple of years back, I did an article, like I was, sorry, I was interviewed for my, like Ryerson for a newspaper article. And um, I went back to it. The article itself is like not great. It's a very basic, like she is trans. She was man, but is now woman. 
Um, and that part's like really boring. But what I found really crazy was in the comments, people were like arguing about, first of all, they were arguing about the grammar, but then someone was really weirdly bringing up my genitals. And I, this was from like 2016. And I wanted to comment like, please don't talk about my genitals. Like, I don't know you, Steve. But I, <laughs> I just kind of like, I remember like, talking to my boyfriend, but I, go, I feel so uncomfortable, like, with this. This is so strange. I could never imagine someone talking about someone else's genitals, except for in this context, you know? So, um, kind of the segue back, like, hey, if you're cis, like, please don't reach out and just blatantly ask me about what's going on with my personal sex life or anything like that. Like, I, that's kind of between me and the people that I am with or whatever. Um, but, it's weird. People just kind of forget how to act whenever they're given an opportunity to, to ask questions to someone who's different than them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there's an appropriate way to ask questions. I'm super open. I'll talk about almost anything, but like maybe not everything, you know? Yeah, that's fair. And I feel like anybody would not be comfortable with having questions about like, I don't want anyone asking me about my genitals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, listen, you want to ask me, about sexual reassignment surgery in terms of just like do you have to get it if you're transitioning i'll gladly answer that but like i don't want to talk about me or my you know that's that's my business yeah yeah totally fair um what about pronouns is, is that a, a common thing that people have approached you about to to talk about at all um i do on a rare occasion still get questions about what pronouns should i use for you um, my, my pronouns are always she, her, um, very simple. Um, but you know, I, on rare occasion that happens. I think far less now, um, I've been living as a woman for so long that most people in my life already know. And if they don't, they usually just assume that that's my pronouns. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think in general, I do still get questions about just general pronoun use and is it appropriate if I, this or that. Um, and honestly, like that's a really good place to be. Like, feel free to ask someone their pronouns. Majority of people would rather have you like ask those questions than just assume that you know what their gender is. Um, and I know very few people who would get offended if you ask like, what pronouns do you prefer? You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, okay. So I just have a few more questions now. Um, sure. Okay. So the first one is um, what's uh, been the best part about coming out as a trans person? Um, honestly, as like shallow as it sounds, I just feel a lot more attractive and I feel very much like myself. Um, I have kind of found my own personal style. I'm really happy with where I'm at in my life, uh, looking the way I do and, you know, and that makes me really happy. I'd say that probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think that's shallow at all. That's, that's good. What's been the hardest part about coming out as a trans woman? Um, just like a general lack of, of safety. I think, um, I used to walk around at night and never, never really need to worry. Um, and it's been very interesting for me, um, and, you know, not to, to toot my own horn or like brag, but I pretty regularly get hit on by like very creepy people in the middle of the night. Like, um, and that is not a reality that I ever thought would happen to me. I'll be in a grocery store at 2 a.m. just picking up some, like, popcorn or whatever, and a guy has followed me for two blocks and, like, confronts me in the aisles being like, hey, come with me, and he's, like, grabbing his crotch. And Ew. that is, like, yeah, oh, it, well, I live in downtown Toronto, so that's, like, really not that surprising. Um, <laughs> people have approached me, like, anywhere. Like, I'm really not shocked, but I, I think what really surprises me is that those men seem to think that that works for some reason. Like, I'm going to be like, oh, my God. You know, I've been <laughs> yeah. waiting all my life to be harassed in a, a supermarket. But, um, but yeah, like, it's just the hardest part, I think, has just been, like, having to realize that I don't really have the sort of immunity of being a man. Like, when you're a man and you're walking around at night, no one's really going to stop you. No one's going to ask you to get in their car or try to bring you home with them. Um, and that was a real learning process for me, especially, as I would still, after transitioning and looking like a woman and living in, you know, true self, uh, I would be waiting at the bus stop at 3 a.m. alone and have men try to grab my hand and take me to their house. Um, and I hadn't really developed that, like, okay, fuck off thing. Like, I think you have to get really strong and, and put a foot down. Uh, and that was something I really didn't have. So definitely the hardest part for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Can definitely relate to that, which is 
very a very annoying thing <laughs> yeah oh and let me know if I'm like swearing too much I tend to oh, no. do that sometimes <laughs> yeah no go ahead <laughs> okay all right um yeah okay so I have my final two questions that I have been asking everybody um but before I do that is there anything that you wanted to add or or talk about or anything that we missed at all no I think we've talked about quite a bit I think I'm good <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, so the first question, um, since the podcast is called Learn With Lels, like it's about learning and, and getting to know people's different stories and just what people have been learning in their lives. Um, so the first question is, what is something that you've been learning lately? Um, being an investor's firm, like even though I'm sort of a research assistant working on like a very specific project, um, we've been learning a lot about sort of investigative skills, like through fun little games. So right now we're kind of learning about lying and how to detect um, when people are lying physically. So we'll be like, we have to, some people are lying, some people are telling the truth and we have to kind of figure out who's who and who's telling a lie or a truth based on like their body language. And that's been very interesting. Ooh, that's super cool. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not a skill I'm very good at quite yet. Um, I'm getting a little bit better, but I've also learned that I am the worst liar. Um, <laughs> I, I, first of all, can't ever think of things on the spot to save my life, which is crazy because in high school I did a lot of improv, but, um, anytime anyone asks me anything, I just like freeze up. So I'm very clearly not a good liar. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. I'm a horrible liar. I feel like I would just get like so sweaty immediately if any, if I ever need to lie. So <laughs> Well, yeah. actually, you say that, but that's actually a tell. Um, when you, they call it ventilating, like you'll either like pull at your shirt or you'll move your hair or like fan yourself. Those are all really obvious tells of someone's lying. So, hmm. Hmm. very interesting. That's a cool skill to learn. Yeah, it's definitely not easy, but I'm having fun with it. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Hmm. Um, okay, and then the last question is what is the biggest thing you've learned in life so far? Um, as cliche as this might sound, um, I've learned like to stop taking things so personally um, and also to stop taking things so seriously. Um, there was a time where everything mattered to me and I was always so afraid um, of like just like being myself or like just doing things because I was afraid I'd look ridiculous. Um, and honestly, <clears throat> the older I get, the more I'm like, I don't really care what people think about me. I don't really care what happens. Like I know I'm only on this earth for a, a while. And as I'm approaching 30, especially, I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't have time to care about what people think. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And uh, I'm not going to take it personally. If people don't like me or if people have these opinions about me, it doesn't matter. Um, and I just want to have fun. So that's as cliche as it is. That's probably the best thing I've learned. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I'm going to save the recording and keep it on repeat. I feel like that is key. <laughs> Hey, I think everyone needs to learn how to do that, you know? Yeah, that is an essential thing that I need to learn for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. it, you just kind of reach your point where you're like, I don't care anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. That's a great lesson. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on my podcast. This conversation was great. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. 